One way to think about the ascension of Jesus Christ, I've been meditating on this past week, was a sort of a return of love to its source. This will make better sense if we understand the nature of who God is, what love is, and what essentially sin is and how it's affected us in this world. Then we can understand how Christ's redemptive act brings together love as a return to its proper end. So love in itself is a gift of oneself to another, their reception of you, and their re-gift. So I give to you, you receive, and you give yourself back. So love is that gift, acceptance, and re-gift. It's like the only gift that's okay to re-gift. You just got to be careful who you re-gift it to in the end. But it's like that, what you're teaching a child, really at their youngest years, when you're teaching them that roly-poly game. You're teaching them to trust you. You're inviting them into a deeper relationship with you because you can roll a ball to them or you can give them something and then they have to give it back to you. And each time they do that, they're trusting that they can give something that's precious to them to you and they're not going to lose it. And that's, that's essentially what we're doing when we fall in love with somebody, except you're not rolling a roly-poly ball, you're rolling your heart, which is extremely delicate and hurts very bad when it's broken. And so hence, that's why love is to love is to become vulnerable. And to be vulnerable means capable of suffering, capable of rejection, of betrayal, of unrequited love. And that's when we're tempted to close ourselves off. We stop rolling the ball back because it was too painful at one point. So who is God? If that is love, We've all experienced that in our lives. How do we understand God? We say that God is love. And that's a revelation. We need, to, we need to take back the understanding that the understanding that God is love only came through Christianity. That belongs to us. Other people can get hints of it because it's true and try to grab onto it. But only in Jesus Christ was it revealed that the essence of who God is is love. And that's also why we have, through the revelation of the scriptures, the understanding that God is a trinity of persons. Three persons in one God. And why is that? Well, because love can't be a single person just loving himself, right? From all eternity, how we understand the trinity is that the Father is the one who poured himself out completely to his Son. Total self-gift. And from all eternity, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, was a yes to the Father. Everything that the Father gives to him, Jesus received. And he gives himself completely back to the Father. Gift, acceptance, and re-gift. And in that is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So why would God create us? Well, the, the most essential reason that we can get to beyond any other philosophical discourse It could only be if God is love that he wanted to create us to participate in relationship with him. So God essentially turned outside of himself when he created the world. And his first act, he was the first one to roll the ball to us by creating us and giving us creation, the world. But there's a catch because you can't be in a relationship with a robot. In order to truly enter into that game of giving and receiving, Both people have to be free. So the essence of why we are free as human beings is because love can't exist without it. There cannot be a true yes to God if there can't be a true no. 
So the essence of our sin in the garden, when God gave us that one tree, it wasn't just to test us, to make things difficult for us, and he put it right there in the middle of the garden so you had to see it all the time, as the scripture says. It was to make sure that we were always free to be in relationship with him. And what we did, instead of, says man was meant to be the first priest. A priest is a mediator. We're supposed to offer creation back to God. What did we do instead? Because we listened to the insignations of the devil, we believed that God couldn't be trusted, that he was a tyrant. God knows well that when you eat from this tree, you'll become gods like him. So he's trying to keep you back from your fulfillment. So what did we do? We took it for ourselves. We failed to roll back the ball. It was a no to the return of love. And because of that, we took the ball, in a sense, and ever since then, we've been running away. So when we sinned, we failed to return love for love. And ever since then, the reason we understand our life as an exile is because man has been going further and further away from God, even into non-being. That's why Christ says, I alone have life, and all that is outside of me is darkness and death. And so we, we entered into death, into exile, and we've been getting further and further from the Father's house. And the whole Old Testament, you save you reading you know, 2,000 pages, the, whole, whole, the entire Old Testament is one prophet after another, one covenant after another of God offering us means of entering into relationship with him and us trying to say yes, either rejecting it outright or saying yes, we get a little bit further and then it turns into a no. None of us as human beings after the fall had the power to say yes to God and stay in that relationship. Some way or another, sin always crept in. So if you think about it, it's a really elementary um, analogy, but it's like a yo-yo. Goes down and comes back up, right? So God, when he created us, everything he does is he goes out of himself to bring it back to himself. But when we sinned, we, let, we refuse to come back up. And that yo-yo, you know, when it's at the end of its line, it's hard to get it back up, right? Well, nothing we did could return us back to God until... Jesus Christ came. And that was the whole goal of the ascension. The incarnation of Christ had as its end the ascension. That's why all the parables about returning to the Father's house is someone who goes out into the streets, into the broken places, and invites the people back into communion with God. So Jesus Christ, who is the second person of the Trinity, who from all eternity was an absolute yes to the Father, he descends from heaven, takes on our nature, and goes to the very end, even unto death, and even into the land of the dead. And now he returns to the Father. He descended by himself so that he could take us with us, take us with him back in that ascent to the Father. And that's why the, the Catholic Church says we don't know how anybody else can be saved except through Jesus Christ. It's always our hope that every human being can be saved somehow. But we don't know of any way except Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ spoke about this with Nicodemus. He said, no one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. 
God alone had that power to descend and ascend. And St. Paul speaks about that today in Ephesians. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the very one who ascended above all the heavens in order to fulfill all things. So Christ descended in order to take us into himself and return us back to the Father. And that's exactly what the sacraments are here for. When we are baptized, we're baptized into his death. When we are confirmed, we're receiving the power of his Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Eucharist, Christ is again descending into us so that when we die, we can ascend with him back to the Father. So what is the ascension? That's how it is on a theological level. That's why it's so important for us to understand the movement of Christ and who God is, what love is, what sin is. But how does that affect us on a day-to-day basis? The return of love. Well, it's one understanding that in this world, love suffers. In this world, love suffers. Because we live in a fallen world, because we live in exile, we still suffer the effects of original sin. And what was original sin? Unrequited love. So the further we get from God, who is the source of all love, the more love itself, which we all know deep in our hearts that that's what we're made for, that's what we long for, that's what brings us the happiness that we seek. The love itself between us becomes broken and disrupted. I can tell you from just my little experience as a priest with dealing with a lot of different people's lives, the greatest drama of most people's lives is overcoming the effects of unrequited love that they've experienced. Whether it's from a spouse or from a parent, from a child or a past betrayal, And a lot of our sins come from that very thing. You know, Shakespeare himself, he said this in a Midsummer Midsummer Night's Dream. He said, I, me, for all that I could ever read, could ever hear by tale or history, the course of true love never did run smooth. And that's our life in this exile. There is no perfect, clean gift and reception of love. It's always going to be dirty. Question is then, how does Jesus Christ help us in that? So much of our identity, how we perceive the world, how we perceive others, is a fruit of our failed experiences of love. Where we rolled our heart to somebody, they dropped it, or they didn't return it, or they returned it broken goods, and then ever since then, we go around protecting ourselves. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to be vulnerable again. I'm not going to let myself get hurt again. And that's when we fall into sin. So one thing the ascension can offer us is Jesus Christ alone is the one capable of saving us in those places of unrequited love. And that's why also in this time of rising atheism, we also have a rise of divorce and broken families, right? And it's because we take all that brokenness that we need healed in our hearts and we look to another human being to be that savior. But no one can save us except Jesus Christ. 
No one is capable of descending that deep within our hearts in order to ascend us back to the Father. Christ alone has that power. So part of the question we need to ask ourselves is, are there places in my life, important relationships in my past, where I've experienced an unrequited love, where I felt betrayed and broken in such a way that it still affects my life today, affects how I relate with other people today? And have I invited Jesus Christ in my prayer? Have I taken the time to call that to mind and offer that to him? Because he'll never force himself on us. That's why true prayer is always honest. It's like, this is where I am, this is how I've lived, and this is where I need you to save me, because I can't save myself. And the second thing is, when we experience that in our own life, we're then given the strength and the grace to do that very thing for other people. Instead of offering ourselves as a savior, we'll know how to go into the broken lives of others and reveal to them the face of the one we've encountered in our own brokenness, in our lives. I wanted to tell you a quick story. I walked in a bar the other day. Sounds like the beginning of a good joke, but this isn't a joke. It was a funny situation, though. I was up in my retreat up in Post Falls, and um, it was the first night I was there. I was really hungry, and I was in a place that was just like a little bay, uh, bay town, and so it doesn't really open up until May. So I didn't have anywhere I could go to eat at that point except this bar on the corner. And I could, like, smell the smoke from even the parking lot and hear the music, and I was like, I really don't know if I should go in here. But I felt God, at least... I felt him urging me, like, it's okay, let's go in here. Maybe it was just my stomach and I was hungry enough to go anywhere to eat. But I walked in there and, you know, it's just like, I walk in and, yeah, it's smoke everywhere. There's pool tables. There's loud music. It was a bar. And so I was, I was pretending to be on my phone to see if I might just want to sneak out if, uh, if they don't seat me right away. But right when I get in there, all of a sudden a woman runs up to me from behind the bar. And she goes, are you a real priest? I was like, yes, I'm a real priest. And she goes, I can't believe it. I just started praying the other day for the first time. I, for the first time in years, my life was falling apart. And I finally started praying with my best friend. She's not here right now, but I promise you, we've been praying every day. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. That's beautiful. I was like, well, I, I'm actually on a retreat. So uh, is there anything I can pray for you for, you know, when I go back? And she goes, sure, we can pray. I was like, what? And she threw out her hands right there in the middle of the bar. I'm like, okay, this is... It was great. All right. So we took our hands and we prayed together right there. And then she goes, we, we prayed in our father and, you know, some graces for her. But she goes, okay, you can sit right over there. I was like, I guess I'm staying. So I go and I, I sit down in this corner and she walks behind the bar. She was the owner. And she goes, all right, guys, no cussing tonight. There's a priest in the bar. And so she gets over there and this guy turns around immediately and he says, oh, you know, he says a cuss word. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, father. And kind of goes back and then he, he, come, he like keeps looking back at me and he gets up from his chair after like two minutes and he comes, walks and looks at me. He goes, are you a real priest? Like, yes, I'm a real priest. And he goes, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I'm on a retreat and kind of vacation thing. And he goes, well, why are you wearing your priest guard then, your collar? I was like, because I don't vacation from being a priest. This is who I am. And he goes, but then you have to deal with people. People coming up to you. And I was like, I like people. He's like, you do? I was like, I do? 
like, yeah, I do. You know, it was, like, it was a surprise for me. I was like, yeah, I like people, man. And uh, right then, though, it's, it's almost as if he was coming alive. Like you saw a soul come to his eyes for a moment. And he just, his eyes got glazed over and he said, there was a time I wanted to be a preacher once. And he stopped and he goes, I'm not doing this. And he turns around, he throws his beer down and walks out. Burger, please. You know, I was sitting there, and so they get a menu, and I, I order, and he comes back like 10 minutes later, and he's got tears in his eyes, and he starts to tell me about his life, and then he started crying to the point where he's like, can we just go outside? And he's this big guy, you know, mid-50s, like healthy-looking, strong guy. We go outside. He was a millionaire, $3 million in a bank account, had just quit his job because he had you know, got addicted to drugs and opiates and alcohol and all that, and he saw his life was going nowhere. And he, and he starts telling me, he goes, my father used to beat me till I was unconscious when I was 12 years old. It's like my earliest memories of him was me, him beating me, and my mother was a cocaine addict. And the one thing that was good in my life at one point was when I had to go live with my aunt, and she sent me to a Bible camp. And while I was there for that summer, I was like, this is something good here. This is something I can do with my life. And then he got sent back with his mother and father, and things just all fell apart. And by 14 years old, he was hitchhiking across the country. And he says, ever since then, he's never been in church. He's never, you know, returned to any sort of faith at all. And he goes, I'm 53 years old now. His father's been in prison for the past, you know, 40-some years. He hasn't seen him in 35 years. And he goes, I can't escape my father. Like, I can't escape what he did to me. Still living in that unrequited love and the pain that was coming from that. And I said, that's exactly why Jesus Christ came to us. Was to show us who we are and to reveal the love of his father. And he looked at me and he goes, do you really think that makes any difference at all? What does it change anything that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years, came and told us that we have a Father that loves us? It's a good question. Does it really change anything? But right then, I just got it so strong in my mind. I was like, how long has it been since you've seen your Father? He said, 35 years. 35 years. And look at how much His spiritual presence and His lack of love for you is still destroying your life after you've gained everything the world could offer. That's exactly what Jesus Christ offers us. A new life, a new love, when we experience his Father for the first time. So the only thing I said that really like broke through him for a moment. You know, we, we, prayed, we prayed together and then we parted ways. But when I walked out of that bar, I felt... I really felt Christ saying to me, because my whole question when I was going up there is, what do you want of me? What, what do you want of my life right now? And he said, I want you to be in the mess. I want you in places like this. You need to descend into the darkness, into the broken, so that they can see my face and see the face of the Father so that they can ascend out of the hell that they're living in. That's our calling. But we can't give that if we haven't experienced it for ourselves. 
in the deepest places of our lives. That return of love is the essence of what we do in every single Mass we come to, every single week, where Jesus Christ once again descends into our world, into the chaos, the very heart of this altar, in the form of frail, broken bread and wine. And the image of the ascension, when the priest lifts up the host and the deacon lifts up the chalice, through him, with him, in him, O oh God, Almighty Father, glory and honor is yours forever and ever. That's the ascension. That's where we're returning creation back to God through Jesus Christ, completing that return of love. So that then when we receive Jesus Christ into ourselves and he descends into our own hearts, he might transform everything within us through him and with him and in him into that ascent back to the Father, that return to love. And that's the goal of the ascension of Jesus Christ.